Thank you for tuning into a Centerpoint Church message. Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We hope this message achieves that and inspires you to both grow in your faith and live it out today. Enjoy! Welcome to Centerpoint Church. My name is Aaron Master. I'm the pastor here. You're in for a one-hour service with a mission to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. Our vision is to be a church in the Fond du Lac area that reaches people who are not already connected somewhere or are not typical churchgoers. And we do that by being positive, relevant, and real. So although our style, it might just be different than what you're used to or different than other churches in the area, what we want you to know is we're still true to the Bible. We take God very seriously here, and we want to guide and encourage you every week you're here. This week, we're kicking off this new series that's called It's Decided. Have you ever put your foot down before? Like, no more. I'm done. I'm changing. And you start thinking, I want to be a person who maybe starts working out again with my health. Maybe you're not that dramatic of putting your foot down, actually. But maybe it's you want to stop eating out every night of the week, or you want to stop impulse buying on Amazon, or not get so angry at your kid, or watch TV all night long, or, or stop drinking so much coffee, or whatever substance it might be. I'm done getting sucked into TikToks or Reels for hours on hours. I'm done not attending church consistently or growing in my faith. I want to lead a great ministry that's servant-like instead of selfish. Maybe you've said one of those things before. You have the thought for these really great things, all the right intentions, but then the situation arises a day later, the moment comes, and you cave. You go into autopilot mode and you continue to do what you've always done, which is so frustrating, right? Because you see other people... Like, I'm, I'm in the same boat. You see other people around us, and they're crushing it in some of these areas. And it makes us wonder, why? How? What it all comes down to, though, more times than not, is decisions. Decisions. A psalmist once said, Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. We tend to see the ways we should go, right? God's ways. The things we should do. But the path to get there is a whole different thing. A thing that needs to be thought out and learned, which is where decisions come in, right? Because the decisions we make daily charts the path of where our lives are headed. And frankly, if you're anything like me, we just aren't good decision makers. We're not. Especially when we're in the moment. Does anybody get sucked into the moment? No one actually wants to like say yes to this. Oh, oh I, got, I got some volunteers. Yeah, get sucked into the moment of making bad mistakes. I am definitely guilty of this. I'm in my 30s now, but I feel like when I got my license at 16, I was like, freedom, right? Like, this is amazing. And literally a whole world of decisions were then available to me. I grew up in the 90s, so I was heavily influenced by the fast and the furious, that's unfortunate for me and my parents, I guess. But they were coming out. Uh, it was like the first one was out just around that time. I think there were like three within that early time of my driving. Now I think there's like nine, right? Like nine Fast and the Furious movies. Is anybody a fan? Was anybody a fan maybe for like the first one, you know? <laughs> um, well, I, there's these scenes, right, from the movies. that Like it just got me excited. Like you'd have like the music playing. The techno, it's like cars, everybody's excited, and you're going fast. Oh. It was awesome. I had an attempt 
or make sure that I like personally like tried to make sure I didn't do those things every time I got in the car. This one was the classic, like the first one, and then there was like Too Fast, Too Furious. Then there was like even Tokyo drifting, like learning how to drift. Like I saw them as instructionals instead of entertainment. <laughs> These movies, they even inspired my first car. I had a sweet Volkswagen Jetta with racing stripes, Letterman's jacket, dog in the car, yeah. And then like, even, I even worked on the pop collar. I, I don't know where that came from, but maybe, maybe the Fast and Furious movies, I don't know. But these movies, they inspired a lot of things in me. And early on, I would say I was a fairly good driver and I made good decisions. At least I thought I did. But if you mix in a few buddies in my car, old country roads, which I'm from Berlin, so that's all we had, add in a few emergency handheld brakes, right, some loud techno music playing, and any opportunity of making a good decision was out the window, right, doing 360s, doing 100, whatever it maybe is. And my friends and I, we had a few incidents of going off the road and damaging things, and it changed our actions a little bit. Now, in the moment, it's hard to make good decisions, right? whether it's with driving or it's with how we treat others, whether they treat us good or bad, or how we parent, or how we are to our spouse, or how we respond to a tense situation, or how we respond to temptation. We just aren't good decision makers in the moment. And there's a couple of reasons why. I'll go quickly through these. The first one is we're overwhelmed with choices. We just honestly are. We're overwhelmed with choices. Research says that we make about 35,000 decisions a day Eat this or that, scroll or not, stop or go, say this or that, watch this Netflix show or this 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 show, right? And we're overwhelmed with choices every day and we can get fatigued from this. We're also afraid of making the wrong choice. We tend to be afraid about the consequence if we make the wrong choice or it makes us almost not make a decision sometimes and indecision is a decision and it can be the wrong one at times. And then third, we can let our emotions overtake logic or what, what is reality. We love to overanalyze like little things, getting the best deal online for a shirt and getting that dollar off or whatever it is. And we check all the stores, spend so much time processing this. But when we get caught in the moment with something big, your kid upsets you, ah, oh, you yell at them. Or uh, you're tempted to do something you wouldn't normally do and ah, oh, you cave finally. Our emotions, they can lead us down paths that we just don't want to go. So it's important we don't make permanent decisions based off of temporary emotions because they overtake logic. Overall, though, we aren't good at decision-making, right? Especially in the moment. Actually, research says that we regret about one-fifth of our decisions. That's a lot when you make thousands a day. So in this series, It's Decided, we're going to explore the idea that becoming the person you want to be and making the decisions you actually desire it actually starts long before the moment you make the decision, before you click buy, before you take one more bite, before you, you lash out at the people you love, before you have that peer influence decision. Before you get to any of those moments, we can decide ahead of time and say, it's decided I'm going to do this, and then have certain values be what filter all of our decisions. Proverbs 16.3, it says this, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. With God's help, we can determine our course of action before the moment of the decision. When faced with blank, 
it's decided to take this action. We can formulate processes for this. For example, when faced with a crabby person on Facebook, it's decided to err on the side of being loving back. Or when faced with getting cut off in traffic, instead of a finger, it's decided to do a full wave and be forgiving. When my spouse and I start bickering at each other on what to do, it's decided to be humble. We can decide how we want to respond to things ahead of time so that when we're in the moment, we don't have the typical response we do that we don't want to do. In the Bible, there's actually a number of examples of when people did things that were definitely not the typical response or the autopilot, in the moment, poor responses that many of us do. They did things that definitely took this conscious thought ahead of time so that they knew how they should respond in the moment. To give you a few examples, Ruth. Ruth was this woman who, who was of the Old Testament. She left her hometown, her family, her religion even, to start this new life with her husband. And her husband dies. And she's left with her mother-in-law because her mother-in-law, her husband dies too. It's just her and her mother-in-law. But instead of going back home, which would have been normal, Ruth says, I'm committed here. I'm staying here. She says, don't ask me to leave you or turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. There's another guy, Daniel. He's in the Old Testament, too. He's a young man. He's called by another nation to be trained in their ways. This nation conquered God's people, and they're like, we, you look like a good guy that we want to train. We want to assimilate you. We want to make sure that you know the ways of us, not the ways of your old people. So they try to convert him. But Daniel chooses to say no to doing certain things that would be against his faith and religion, even in the heat of the moment. Daniel 1.8, it says, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. Paul. Paul's this big teacher of, of Jesus' new ways in, in the New Testament. And uh, he, Paul literally went through living hell. He, he says this in 2 Corinthians 11:24 to 26 Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent the whole night and day adrift at sea. Right? That's crazy. You don't withstand those things without deciding what's important to you ahead of time. One last one, who we're going to study a little bit today. Elisha. Elisha was a prophet, which... Being a prophet in itself meant you were someone who was trying to follow God's ways even though no one else was, and you're speaking out against what other people are doing. Well, Elisha, Elisha knew this was going to be hard for him to do as a prophet. So what he did is he went back home before he became a prophet to burn all of his stuff. Burn all of his stuff, slaughter his animals, get rid of everything, and then go forward. Because he believed so fully in the decision that he was about to embark on as a prophet. He didn't want to go back. First King 19.21, it says this, So Elisha returned to his oxen, slaughtered them. He used the wood and the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. Then he went. All these people, they seemingly did things that were thought out and decided upon beforehand. It seems they all knew that in the future, they were going to struggle. They were going to get emotional. They were going to have to deal with decision fatigue and come to a crossroad or a tension point for a decision, which in the Bible, if you read all of their stories, they do. They do. 
What they did was not just something they accidentally chose the right thing in the right moment, but they knew what they valued ahead of time and made decisions ahead of time based off of them. Ruth. Ruth was faithful to her beliefs. Daniel, he was consistent in his ways. Paul persevered and was a finisher for living for Christ. Elisha was ready for difficulties and opportunities that aligned with his values. Do you know what you value? If we go back to my story of driving fast and of speeding and drifting and doing dumb things in a car, right? The reason I chose what I did in those moments is I valued acceptance of others over what was legal. I valued unnecessary risk over what was safe. I valued a temporary fun moment versus the longevity of my car, right? Are those things correct to value? I, I, I'm no expert, but in those situations, I'm guessing no. As you think about you, what do you value? What do you value? Is it being humble? Is it being faithful? Is it being one who finishes things? Is it being one who's consistent, one who's ready? Based off of your values, you should then form what you decide to do in the future. When faced with blank, it's decided to do blank. The culmination of your decisions, it forms the way you will go. And the way you will go is your life here on earth. I don't know about you, but I need decisions made ahead of time. I need my values thought about and declared. Because if I'm going to be real with you for a second here, I'm not what or who I want to be all the time. I'm honestly, I'm an extremely inconsistent person. I say I, I want to make these healthy choices, I do it for a day, and then I'm, I'm done. I say I'm going to drink more water, do it for like maybe a few days, and then all of a sudden I'm just drinking coffee. I'll say I need to pray at this certain time and try to be consistent with it, and then all of a sudden I let something else fill that void because I'm like, oh, I can, I can, I can pray a different time, and then I just forget. I'm actually also really quite unprepared sometimes for opportunity and for opposition. When unexpected things pop up, I'm completely thrown off. I'm completely thrown off, like something maybe with the car or at home or with a loved one's health. I'm just like, what do we do now? All the things that I had planned are just thrown out the window. I'm unprepared to go and do what maybe a great opportunity is brewing for me because I'm not ready. I'm also unintentional sometimes about my habits, my decisions, why I do what I do. I'm selfish. Honestly, I make a lot of decisions, and a lot of times I pick things that are fun to me, what makes me feel good, what I would want. I'm also short-sighted. I'm all about the short win or the quick win versus the long game. I quit things when they get tough. I could go on and on, right? This is just the name of a few things that I struggle with. And I'm guessing you maybe do too. But with all these, what if I made a decision ahead of time? The decision that I am ready or I am consistent, I am generous, I am faithful, I'm a finisher, I'm loving, I'm humble. Again, like, I'm ready, I'm consistent, I'm generous, I'm faithful, I am a finisher, I'm loving, I'm humble. With all these, these are values I can speak out, speak into my life, memorize, and decide to be and do ahead of time. I don't know about you, but these are biblical values I want to be. We see people in the Bible, they do some of these things, and they're seen as honorable to God in their actions when they do them. I want them and other things like them to be what determine my decisions in the future. And I know I need it decided ahead of time. Because when we're influenced by others, depressed, 
emotional or in the moment, I know I'm going to be at this vulnerable place and not want to choose the right thing. If I'm honest with you here, I have emotions that are hard to control sometimes. It's easy for me to get ticked when I'm interrupted or there's some sort of cancellation or it's easy for me to experience like my emotions running hot when someone gets critical. It's easy for me to react and just like be so frustrated and thrown off. How about you? Do your emotions run your decisions sometimes? When I'm emotional and fatigued from decision making, I struggle. If we prepare and decide and declare, it's decided, I'm going to be this or something like it for you, our decisions, they won't be based off of our emotions in the moment, but on the values that God has placed in your heart. So in this two-month-long series, again, it's a long series for us, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some of these values, what it really means biblically, and how to implement them to help us be a better decision maker. Again, I'm ready I'm consistent, I'm generous, I'm faithful, I'm a finisher, I'm loving, I'm humble. And the one I want to address and send you off with today is the action on becoming ready. Ready. Ready as in know your values and then be ready for both the good and the bad that might arise from it. I mentioned The Fast and the Furious earlier. If you've seen a movie, or if you haven't seen a movie, let me give you the plot to I think like every single one in 10 seconds or less. Cool cars... People that like to drive fast, they have some sort of a legal thing or mission they need to accomplish or be solved, done by cool people, period. That kind of summarizes it. But in the movies, they're always ready to go fast and to do whatever it is. There's a little parody I'm going to show you in a second here of what it looks like if, let's say, they weren't ready. Check it out. You up for one last job? Sure. At this time? You drive. My man. So how are we going to get there? Fast. Yeah! Yeah! Why does the car not go fast? Right. I didn't fuel it up. Yeah, it's really expensive now. This is not a real Fast and Furious movie, right? It's a parody. It's meant to kind of make fun of it a bit. Anybody have a spouse or someone that in the household that leaves the car on E and like unready for you? Yeah, me neither. <laughs> to combat vulnerability and tough decisions and have them be God-honoring decisions, we need to be ready. We need to be ready, ready to combat the desire for an emotion, or ready to combat the desire for an emotional response to a situation, ready to combat the fatigue we're maybe experiencing, ready to combat a temptation or opposition, ready to combat a challenge, or even ready for an opportunity. Are you ready for those things? The person who did this better than anyone who I think in the Bible was Elisha. He's a prophet that I mentioned earlier, and I think he did two things that made him ready, and I think that can also help us get ready. Before I tell you, a little context you need to know about Elisha is he was a prophet who chose to follow Elijah. No, they're not the same people. You might be thinking like, Aaron's got a typo on the screen. Nope, so we're not talking about Elijah. We're talking about Elisha. All right, so Elisha, he was someone chosen by Elijah. One of the most well-known prophets is Elijah. In the Old Testament, 
Elijah, he did miracles. He spoke of Jesus to come. He defeats hundreds and hundreds of, of these other prophets from other religions. And he was this huge deal. But what happens is Elijah needs a successor. And he chooses Elisha. And how he does is kind of in a strange way. He goes up to Elisha and he places his cloak over his shoulder to signify, you're it. You're who I've been waiting for. I'll read it for you. It's in 1 Kings 19.19. It says this. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him, threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elisha. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. A couple things this passage tells us about Elisha is he had a solid job, right? He's working. He's working on a farm. He's actually quite rich. He's got 12 pairs of oxen, and he's got a great family, right? He wants to go back and say goodbye to his family. But he doesn't even second guess chasing after Elisha, as that was what the cloak meant. Like, you're chosen. You should come. Elisha was ready for opportunity because he knew what he valued. He valued living out this calling for God. But the thing we can, we can learn from this is we got to know what we value. we got to know what we value. Do you know what your personal values are or, as an individual or what your values are as a couple or a, as one unit? Like, Do you know, is it time or money? Is it faith growth or fun? Is it laughs or character? Is it friendships or, or family? Is it your personal hobby or is it hobbies of the family? I'm not saying that these things are in opposition of each other, right? But do you know what you value or what you value as a couple? I mean, if I'm going to be a bit transparent with you here for a second, this was honestly probably what my wife and I, Sydney, uh, we fought about the most in our first few years of marriage. I valued stuff. She valued experiences. I valued money. She valued time together. I valued impact. She valued quantity of time as a family. I valued freedom of our schedule. She valued putting others' needs first. It caused a lot of headaches. It caused a lot of headaches, a lot of arguments in this difference of values. But we had to figure out a way to come to an agreement on what our values would be moving forward. Since we're a team, we're one unit, so that we're ready for future decision-making. Now, if, if I was to list it out after we've decided, it's God first. God and faith first for us. I don't say that to brag, like, oh, the pastor are putting God first. Honestly, we're church planners, right? So we moved here for God, so that, that is priority for us. We're, we're trying to listen and do what God wants. Uh, family is second. Family is second for us. Like, merely caring for our family, being there for our family. Serving others is third. Serving others, caring for others. Fourth would probably be character. Um, making sure our character is right. Fifth is probably freedom and flexibility of time. Sixth is money. Sixth is probably money, like to be stable. I actually made this list without talking to her ahead of time. So oh, hopefully I was right. Otherwise, we might be hashing it out tonight, right? <laughs> but are you ready? Do you know your values? If you're single or an individual, it's a bit easier, but sometimes it's harder because it can be so scattered then. But when you know your values and thought them through ahead of time, it's easier to make the decision to say yes or no to a particular job offer or to do that extra job or to do the overtime or not. 
Yes or no whether you, you should do that evening league or thing or not. Yes or no if you should help that person in need or not. Yes or no if you should buy that big thing right now or not. I was hesitant to tell you my list, right? Because I don't want you to pick the things that I valued. But my challenge is for you to go home and think about what are your values as a family. Talk about them with your spouse. But if you're a Christian, it shouldn't just be about what you value or your spouse values, but it's what does God value? So seek that first. Seek that first. What do you think God says is important in Scripture? And then after, seek what you want and what your spouse wants. The second thing that I think we can learn from Elijah and C is necessary and for us to be ready so that you can have things decided ahead of time is prepare for opposition. Prepare for opposition and honestly prepare for opportunity as well. It's going to come. It's going to come. Don't play this game of there's no need to plan or think about it. Like it's going to be fine. We'll just be fine. I know where, I know where we're at with our values. It's fine. Because you're going to be tempted you're going to be challenged. You're going to go through emotionally charged times. It can come from outside sources. It can even come from within. Scripture says in James 1.14, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. We saw with Elisha, he knew this all too well. He knew his value was to God first, but he knew there would be temptation to get back to his old ways, to the, how things used to be, especially when it would get emotional or hard, or he would deal with opposition. Again, the verse, it says this in 1 Kings 19 21. It says, So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen, slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat, gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. If you're anything like me, we are quite unlike Elisha. We are. We don't get rid of the temptation or, or stay far away from it, at least. We love walking right on the edge, right? Does anybody, like, love walking right on the line? If there's a line of something, I want to walk like, right on the line. I have a little two-year-old girl, Eliza's her name, and she can do this both literally and figuratively. If there's, like, a line or a curb or an edge, she's walking on I'm like, careful, careful. You know, I'm, like, nervous about that. But then if there's a rule that she knows she needs to follow... She loves to push and get right next to it to see how far she can actually go before I get upset. I hate it, but I can't blame her because I do it too. I loved walking on the line. The line of what's the maximum that I can get without going too far. Have you ever done that before? Have you ever walked the line with something of maybe what's legal and not? Of what's funny or actually hurtful? Of what's intimate or still platonic, or what's appropriate at range for something, or what's too far. For me, as I was thinking about this, a line that comes to mind that I really, really wanted to walk was with Sydney and I in our dating time. For me, I grew up in a Christian household. I knew some of the lines, but I wrestled with my faith in college and kind of said, eh, screw the line, screw the line when it came to romance. And after dealing with some hurt from that and purposelessness from that, I realized God in a sincere relationship pursuing Jesus was what I needed. So this brought me closer to God, but it also brought me with the question of like, where's the line in the romantic world? Because I was single at that time. Where's the line? Where's the line? What's too far? What's too far, God? Because I want to know everything I can do. I want to know the maximum, right? I don't, I don't want to miss out. Well, there definitely are some different interpretations about this, right? You've probably heard a lot of them. 
But walking that line of what I thought was right in God's eyes with Sydney was super hard. Super hard. I think we did well. I think we did well. I'm not going to say like we were perfect or what I'd recommend today even because it created tension. It was, it was hard. We walked the line. But walking the line is so hard. It gets tempting in the moment, right? So what I'd recommend is instead of walking it to get you ready, change the line. Change the line. If you truly want to make decisions that is what you think God wants and the conscious self of you wants ahead of time, change the line. To be able to better deal with opposition or temptation, change the line. Instead of walking it right on the edge, give yourself some margin. And if you really like walking the line, just make a new line. Change the line. Change the line. Elisha, he didn't have to burn and slaughter all his stuff. We don't have to change the line either, but it's a way that we can make sure we don't fall to temptation. For you, maybe you're not dealing with like intimacy with a girlfriend or a boyfriend, but maybe it's the temptation or the slippery slope of how often you let something get in the way of attending church. Maybe it's of how often or how much you overspend at times or how much you allow yourself to work overtime instead of being with the family. Maybe it's how much you allow yourself to be on Facebook or Instagram or how often you Facebook or Instagram uh, past classmates and maybe it's of the opposite sex and you know what's crossing this line. How much you maybe allow yourself to drink. Get away from the actual line. Recreate a new one so that you're ready for opposition when it comes. What this actually looks like, to get really practical with you, is maybe you have a friend who keeps you accountable to come in the church. Tell them, set it up. Maybe you have an actual number in your mind and maybe you have cash. Like when you go to the store, it's like, I'm only spending this much. Maybe you have a certain amount of hours uh, of overtime that you're willing to do and that is agreed upon in your family. But if it's going past that, you have to have a long conversation about that. Maybe you, you have a social media limit on, on, on your phone. Maybe you won't let yourself message people of the opposite sex without talking about it with your spouse. Maybe you will only bring $10 with you when you go out to get a drink. I get it. This maybe seems super restrictive, but why risk not being ready when in the moment you could be fatigued, emotional, or tempted? As I'm getting close to wrapping up, what do you need to do to get yourself ready to live the life you want, but that's also God-honoring? Do you need to spend time figuring out your values, things that you can say, yes, it's decided for? What are those things for you and your spouse? Or do you need to move the line? Move the line. You know what's too far, but set up that caution for yourself. Throughout this series, I hope it helps you make more God-honoring decisions that can make your life more aligned with how Jesus wants us to live. You won't ever be perfect at this, though. You won't. But I hope it gets you a bit closer to that. The good news with that. The good news in all that is that we're not and we never will be saved or made right in God's eyes as individuals by the quality of our decisions. We will never be valued off of that. We all know we've made these bad decisions both against others and against God at times on how to live. However many good or bad decisions we make, it does not determine our salvation in Christ. How we actually are saved is this gift of grace by God. Jesus decided that he doesn't want to leave it up to us, but up to him. By taking the consequences of our wrong decisions and put it on himself. 
Jesus lived this perfect life, but decided to die in our place to take all of our imperfections and wrong decisions and sin. But then he says that we can be right through him by having this relationship with him because it's offered when we have that connection with him. And he wants to guide us in our living today and grant us eternal life in the future. It simply takes, though, you saying God in your head and your heart, affirming the fact that you need his forgiveness. You need his help when it comes to that forgiveness for decisions that you've made wrong. So if you've never experienced that before or connected with God in that way, I want to give you a chance to say that to God, to Jesus in your head and your heart, that I, I want to follow you. I want your forgiveness. I know you've taken it for me. Would you allow me to continue to follow you and learn from you? And then this forgives you of all your wrong decisions and the future ones you'll make. If that's you, I'm going to pray and give you an opportunity to say that in your head and your heart uh, in a second here. But then if you've done that before, I'm also going to pray that we get ready. Ready for opportunity, ready for opposition. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for just giving us a clear example of how you've taken things on um, yourself. You were ready for us. God, uh, some of us right now for the first time are saying, we want to follow you. We want to experience the forgiveness that you offer. God, we know that you, you've taken the place of our consequences, but we see this as a gift and we want to embrace this and we want you to guide our lives moving forward. We know that we're going to make good and bad decisions, but it's not about that. It's about our connection with you and our relationship with you. And then, God, some of us right now are saying, we're ready, or help us get ready. We want to be ready for opportunity and opposition. We want to be ready to be this sincere follower of you and know our values. Help us figure out what those are so that we can continue to move forward and make good decisions. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.